This is the Paranormal 60 News with your Paranormal 60 News crew. Next. Welcome. This is the Paranormal 60 News. I am your anchor, Dave Schrader, with me also from Texas, Eric Folsom. Hello, Eric. Good evening, Dave. Also from Texas, ladies and gentlemen, the Colonel himself, Martin Vias, is with us. Hi, Marty. Hey, how you doing, Dave? Good. I've been sweating all day here because, uh, you know, our roving reporter has been away. People are upset after last week that Greg was not here, even though it took eight other people to join us. It still wasn't good enough. So we have called together in a in a GoFundMe just enough money to get satellite uplinks to hopefully be able to bring in our fourth reporter. Ladies and gentlemen, from the great state of Texas, but calling us from the Alaskan-Hawaiian border, Greg Lawson. Oh, hey, uh, hey, Greg! You made Greg, it, you, Greg. Good yes. to be here, man. Yes, Ooh, it, I want to. Chilly wanna, out there. Yeah, look like I wanna, he's in Texas anymore. No, no. no. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to thank everybody that called in and and uh, and sent uh, emails and letters and stuff like that, uh, um, questioning my suspension and everything. I appreciate you guys getting me back on. We don't like to look at it as much as a suspension as uh, a well-deserved break for us. Uh, I let's appreciate you. I was going to yeah. say, I just, I just appreciate him letting me use his house while he's gone. Yeah. That is very nice. Yeah. I like that grand piano. Uh, he's a hell of a You player. got a nice little White Claw. I don't know if that's a good idea, Greg. I hear White Claw yeah. could be the downfall of civilization. We'll, we'll have to find out about that later. Uh, but Well, it's all they, uh, that's all they serve up here. Is that it? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much all you great, can get. The Great White much. Way is just White Claw. Huh. Makes sense. Well, yeah. you know, you drink what you can get. That's, that's I guess. Right. Well, let's. That's uh, what you can get. Let's get. To, ooh, getting some janky connection from that Alaskan. Uh, the the North Pole apparently is not five G. Let's uh, let's get started. Uh, I know you've got a story for us here, uh, Greg. So since you missed last week, let's put you right to work and uh, let's get started. And I, I do want to tell everybody this is exciting because we've got a lot of listeners who are joining us today to share their paranormal encounters. We will be getting to them throughout the program. Greg Lawson, you have the con, sir. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about uh, Priest Explains Creepy Signs Demanding Tourist Wave to Ghost Children. This is by Diana Logan. Yeah. Yeah, in the city of Davio, uh, Philippines, this is a district known as Toril. And there, on an unassuming country road, is a sign that has been scaring visitors for years. It's the truth. Showcasing a creepy outline of a pair of waving children, this yellow road sign instructs passersby to please wave back at any children that might be waving at them. But what could possibly be the purpose behind this sign? 
That's what uh, we were going to ask. Yeah, yeah. The the debate yeah. has raged for years with locals in the area declaring that it's merely a safety measure to remind people that there are there's a school nearby and to slow down and wave at any children they may see uh, mm. in or near the mm. road. Yeah, mm. yeah. The other problem is, is other eyewitnesses deny that there's any school anywhere in this area. Oh. Uh, it's a, Yeah, the, this area, this road is all overgrown and the sign is warning about dangerous spirits that actually lurk in that area. And, and this recently, is what a priest is re- is reporting on. Yeah, yeah. Recently, he priest, believes this. Yes, okay. absolutely. He 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 believes uh, that uh, he um, that he has his own explanation for it, and he claims sure. that the sign is meant to warn travelers on the, that the road is haunted by ghost children who will not be pleased if their kindly waves are not returned by other passersby. Yikes, that sounds like yeah. you know you know beginning. greg that that doesn't seem like too much of a kind wave i, I if you go back to that first picture uh uh there greg yeah I'm Dave, but I'll, I'll, I'll pull that up for you yeah, well, greg, yeah it's greg's story, it looks like he's but, yeah. flipping us off isn't it? it's like a flipping off a so. wave there yeah uh, why so. why do you always have to have the know. lowest common denominator denominator of wow well, i'm not even denominator. reading and i can't say words yeah it's a it's an arm in motion waving martin it looks like she's given a very strong one finger salute and that's 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 all I, I want to really say about, about you than it does right. us. I, my children are always happy to see me. They just give loving waves. Hey, I got to get back inside. It's freezing out here. Let me, th- let me okay, finish. I'm sorry. This. Go ahead. Fin- finish your story. It, it, it's possible that the lo- local superstition is related to the legend of Duende. Yeah, the Duende. It's a small spirit that makes its home in caves, trees, and abandoned houses, loves to play with children, and takes offense easily. But. Hmm. No matter what uh, the true purpose of the sign is, it certainly can't hurt you to give a little child a wave with your hand as you go by. You won't want <laughs> to anger. For, what? Thank you for clarifying. With your hand. If you could just <laughs> give a little wave with but your hand. That's what it says. It says you can't yeah. hurt to give a child a friendly wave of your hand. Of your hand. Yeah, of your hand. With your of hand. Your hand. Good All right. Advice. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to anger. Children. Yeah. You don't want to anger these little spirits. I'm going to go back inside. Yeah, you should. Go you know who, else, who else we don't want to anger is <sighs> we do not want to anger Brian because he's been waiting the longest to communicate yeah. with us. Hey, Brian. And Brian. Yeah, our listeners. Hey, Brian. Welcome to the show. It? Yeah, it goes. I'm at work. So. <laughs> oh, oh, good. I love that job. Yeah. Let's be sneaky. So you're, you're late shift. What uh, what's your story for us tonight, Brian? So I, uh, this happened in Portland, well, just outside Portland, Oregon, uh, probably 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. It was a Halloween night and it was, uh, strange for Oregon cause it wasn't raining. What well, there was no snow. It was dry. It was crisp. And there was an old, a sane asylum, uh, it's called Damish. It's not there anymore. Uh, they actually mowed it down and made apartment complexes there. So I feel sorry for all of them. But so we decided to go there one night on Halloween because we had nothing else to do. And we pull up and you get there and there's a courtyard. Basically, it's the shape of a square with like the corner cut off. So you can go into the building, all this and dead leaves, grass. And it's, I don't know, probably 36 ish degrees. So almost freezing. And we were trying to find a way in. It was me and my three buddies. And there was a concrete 
I, I guess I know walls that went down for one of the rooms so you could see out and get daylight, but you couldn't see any greenery, anything like that. And there was okay. a ladder there of all things. So I stayed up, held the ladder for my friends. They crawled down, went inside because all the windows were busted out. Hmm. And I'm sitting there. I've got my my handy dandy mag light from, you know, 1984 that took, you know, four C batteries. <laughs> and uh, it's 82 pounds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The thing was heavy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting there and I was having a cigarette, just waiting, making sure, you know, if anybody came because we didn't know if we were technically trespassing or not. And got my flashlight off, moon's out. I can pretty much see everything. And I start hearing what sounds like it could be a possum, raccoon, some sort of critter walking through the leaves. And so I turn my light on and I scan the courtyard. It's pretty big. I don't see anything. There's no animals, no nothing. That exact sound. (laughs) And uh, so I look around. It stops. I'm like, all right, well didn't really think anything of it and so i turned my flashlight off and i'm sitting there and i start hearing it again and this time i wait a little bit and it's getting there it's coming closer and i'm like all right so i turn my light back on again nothing sound stops so thinking all right i'm just kind of losing my mind it's just an animal nothing crazy and so it happens again Mm. and that sound gets closer and closer and I get, I noticeably get colder and it's, like I said, it's about 36 degrees outside. So getting colder with no breeze is uh, definitely just super that. weird. I understand. <laughs> well, I mean, you are in uh, the Alaskan Hawaiian border, so that makes sense. Oh. Um, and turn my flashlight on again and it completely stopped. And I mean, goosebumps the whole nine, like it's, you know, the hairs stand up and once I turn my light on, I hear my friends, you can, they're getting closer and I hear them start crawling out the window. So I hold the ladder and so they can get up. And mm-hmm. it was just, it was super bizarre because there was no animals, no sign of anybody, but it sounded, you know, definitely bipedal walking on two feet. And then uh, so you were being stalked. Yeah. And by something Gosh. I couldn't see, which is, uh, I mean, I've been into the, the paranormal and ghosts for as long as I can remember. But uh, one other fun thing that I didn't share in the email with you, Dave, is we actually found the incinerator of the uh, insane asylum, which is where they would uh, get rid of people who were not claimed because there was no graveyard. And so they would do a lot of cremations and it Mm. still was there and it was very creepy. But that's my story. I've got a couple more. So maybe uh, some other time I can come on and share them with you. We'd love it. Uh, That is weird. So at an asylum, you're hearing like somebody's walking around, but you said it was very dainty like an animal as opposed to a human footstep. Yeah, it, that's what I thought at first, but it didn't ever sound like it was anything large, but it mm. ended up, the closer it got, it seemed more like it was, there was more weight to it. But I mean, I'm 6'2", 250. It was definitely smaller than I am. So whatever it was. Gotcha. So by comparison, you were dealing with something very small. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah, and I mean, it was yeah. an all in, I believe it was an all ages like well, probably teenage to older asylum. It was uh very strange. I just feel sorry for everybody who now has apartment buildings that are on that property. Yeah, that's so gross. Yeah. So gross. Thank you. I have not uh I've seen the apartments from the freeway, but that's about as far as I've got. I actually moved and now I'm uh about forty five minutes from the Stanley Hotel. So 
I keep moving to haunted places. Oh, very cool. There's a lot of good stuff to see out there. Thank you, Brian. How cool. Great to have Brian join us. And uh, again, if you want to be a part of the show uh, in the future, here's the rules. Uh, Email me, Dave, at Paranormal60.com. Now, I'm going to be open with everybody. We have news next week. We're not going to be doing any of these calls because we're on a very tight schedule. And then the guys, the news crews, have the next two weeks off because I'm going to be in Ireland. So we won't be able to put together the news. They're going to have a couple of very important weeks off, and uh, they get to rest, relax, because I hold them to that grindstone. So Mm -hmm. that's what's going on. But I will have other shows here for you as Greg continues to enjoy his white claw, which is something that hurts my mouth to say. Martin, you are up. Colonel, where are we going next? Well, I'll tell you what there, Dave. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Just found out about a bunch of burned out Catholic exorcists who are complaining that they face long lines of possessed people and little support from bishops. There you go. Yeah. Hardly fair. Hardly fair. Joshua Zitzer reports that a survey from a Vatican-approved religious university in Rome found that that, that Catholic exorcists feel overwhel- overworked and under-supported by bishops, according to the Times of London. Italian exorcists spoke to researchers at Regina Apostolorum's. <laughs> Apostolorum. That's, that's a drink, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what the name yeah. is, but that's wrong. That's a yeah. white claw right there, baby. Yeah, yeah. The 16th Annual Exorcism Course in Rome, attended by 120 participants, the Times reported. The course attracted a significant crowd thanks to Pope Francis's support of exorcism, the paper said. He has previously spoken about helping those who are possessed by evil and made exorcism an official Catholic practice. The conference exorcists said that they needed more support from psychologists to determine whether people are mentally unstable or demonically possessed. Demonic possession could be recognized by unusual physical strength, vomiting, or a sudden ability to speak Latin, Hebrew, or Aramaic. Father? So basically any one of us on a drunk night. That sounds exactly. like a Scottish Friday, Friday night, yeah. Any yeah. of us yeah. at about, uh, yeah, 1045, uh, you know. 15 uh, minutes from now. Time. Right, Holy Christmas. right. Yeah. 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 So demonic, okay, so Father... Ooh. Father uh, Giuseppe Bernardi. Giuseppe. Very good. Nice. I know. Got to like that. Claimed to have performed a nine-hour exorcism on a woman who hurled abuse in Latin and assaulted monks. The woman's mother and Father (laughs) Bernardi believe she was possessed by a demonic influence. Yeah. Yeah. Bernardi said he had to seek help from psychologists to determine whether she was disturbed or possessed, but did so without the help of the church. The lack of support from bishops is a grievance echoed by other surveyed exorcists. They complained about receiving little help in exercising the long lines of Catholics claiming satanic possession. Mm. I do want to make a notice uh, that uh, Father Giuseppe Bernardi, uh, this story, of course, talking about when he was dealing with all of these exorcisms, and especially during the height of COVID, when they were called out to try to help with these things, Father Giuseppe ended up uh, contracting uh, COVID. And in order to help somebody that was younger than him, he gave up his ventilator for them, and he lost his life in battle to COVID. So a true hero in every sense, uh, doing his best to try to help his his flock. So again, I just wanted to make sure that we did make a mention of that. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. 
So this show has gotten dark many, uh, many times. Well, no, it's, uh, it's uh, we got to talk about the not good, where you the bad, are. And the ugly. No, yeah. that's pretty light where you're at, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. know he was going to put me back on so soon. I'm kind of staying in an awkward place, but that's all right. Uh, hey, I, speaking of uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the show, you know, when I get emails from listeners that I feel need to be addressed, I, you know, I'm going to do it. So I have an email here from Lisa Thompson, one of our viewers and listeners, and it's pretty direct. It goes right into stop bashing Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks enough already. <laughs> Usually, you're far kinder and more polite. No kidding. Your behavior is entirely out of character. I'm a fan of the group and of just Stevie Nicks. I'm not listening to the Paranormal 60 to hear your overly critical remarks about them. I've been listening to you for years, and this is so unlike you. Your listeners deserve better. And that comes from Lisa Thompson from, of all places, Texas. You're better than that, Dave. Yeah, you are, Lisa, you know, I, I feel bad. I guess if I'm really having that kind of impact, so let me just go on record and apologize and say, you know, going forward, we are all good. This won't happen anymore. All right. I've got a story here. Why are goats synonymous with Satan? This is a brand new article that just came out. Interesting uh, topic. Goats and Satan have gone hand and hoof for a long time. That's what Matt Rigel writes. Uh, And the image of a goat in a satanic context has been seen in literature, art, and heavy metal concert t-shirts all over the world. However, the question remains, how exactly did goats become synonymous with Satan in the first place? Which is a great question. They're beautiful little animals, very sweet, very smart. Now, logically, the first place to check when you try to figure out why goats are associated with Satan would be to consult the Bible itself. Now, according to the Bible in Matthew 25, verse 33, in a metaphor about Jesus selecting good people over bad, with sheep representing good people and goats representing bad in the same set of verses. Sheep, the good people, are given eternal life, while goats are sent to the lake of fire. Now, it's easy to see how the entire goat population was stigmatized now in the eyes of Christians. Well, one of the earlier instances of a goat-headed deity came about long after the Bible was completed, when the Knights Templar were accused of worshiping an idol named Baphomet, and that started in 1307. The Knights Templar were a group of knights who were active during the Crusades, and their original duty was to protect Christian pilgrims. So a few hundred years later, the Templars found themselves in a Baphomet-related bind. Francis Philip IV ordered the arrest of all Templars and accused them of worshiping Baphomet as an idol and accusing the group of blasphemy out of fear that Baphomet was a demon that sought human sacrifices. All right, so this is just a crazy aspect of it. And here's, an, here's a, a coin, a, a Templar coin, showing another uh, iteration of the imagery here. Then there was... Elias Levi. He was a French magician and occultist who drew a winged man with a goat's head to use in his 1861 book um, it, it, called Transcendental Magic, Its Doctrine and Ritual. The image became known as the Sabbatic Goat, which is what you're looking at right there, this kind of goat with wings. Now, the drawing was a combination of numerous inspirations, including the version of Baphomet that the Templars were accused of worshiping, as well as the devil tarot card and a goat-headed Egyptian god with a splash of witchcraft influence for good measure. Levi referred to this creation as the fantastic monster, the nightmare, and the phantom of all terrors. In the 1960s, 
there was a former carnival worker you guys might be familiar with that goes by the name of Anton LaVey. He launched yeah. his church, best known as the Church of Satan. Now, LaVey introduced the sigil of Baphomet as the church's official insignia. The insignia itself featured a combination of a goat's head inside of a pentagram. Now, according to the Church of Satan, this is what cemented the association between goats and Satan as the sigil transcended the church and became a generally accepted symbol for the devil. So in this, witchcraft has, has been a very frequent link between goats and Satan, and that association continues to this day, which was kind of a surprise to me. So it's really just PR from people that kind of chose something they thought would be a good representation of, of the demonic, and goats are the ones that got the bad rap. However, in doing more research on this, another theory about this <laughs> centers around that of the demonic sounds that emanate oh, here and the go. power they create. The cry or the bleat of the goat is thought to open the gates of hell <laughs> as it sounds tortured and pained. Uh, you guys can judge for yourself. Oh. Horrific! You can oh. hear how that could just. Swing I saw that. I saw open. that coming fifteen minutes ago. I did too. Yeah, but well, oh, uh, really. I'm, you know what? Is In it Lisa Thompson? Of Bruce Springsteen. I just can't. I just can't. Oh yeah. <laughs> I just can't stand myself. Yeah, now, I could right. be wrong on this. Maybe my picking on Nikki, or not Nikki, but uh, Nikki. what's that? Stevie? 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 Stevie Nicky? Nikki Stevens. Stevie Nicky. Nikki Stevens. Uh, Stevie Nicky. Nicks. Maybe I'm just being a little too harsh. I just, uh, you know, I don't know. I just don't think she's all that. Hey, uh, you... Am I wrong, Josh Gates? As usual, Dave, you are 100% right. Another right. guest hey. spot. I love yeah, it. You... Oh, wow. so yep. obviously... I'm not as off as people think I am. I'm mm -hmm. I'm on something or on to something. You're and speaking something. of that, let's join another one of our listeners who also, I've been told, absolutely hates Fleetwood Mac. Mike Bowser, welcome <laughs> to the show. Oh, wow. Thanks for having me. Uh, hey, welcome yeah, gonna, to the show. I'm going to talk about uh, my first experience. Uh, it happened about 17 years Wait ago. Wait a minute. This is about ghosts. Wait a minute. This, right. is this is about the paranormal. Mike. This is about paranormal, not other experiences. Okay. Oh, right. good. 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 That's good. All right. We got that. Yeah. yeah. So I used to be in a, a vocal in a metal band, and uh, we would go to different cemeteries and stuff after practice just to mess around and whatnot. And we went to one in particular that was nicknamed, I don't know if I can say it on, on the show, but sure Hex, you can. Hex Gates instead of... Okay. Instead of the H E double hockey sticks, but hell, hell's okay. You can yeah. Hell oh, okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah, is this kindergarten? What? What is it? Going I know. There? I told him no curse words. So. I do have. I do have my football monster in the back. So yeah, kind of. Yeah, I like it. Right. But, but um, so we uh we were at Hell's Gates, and the story is that there's a portal in the middle of the cemetery under a tree, which I did not know about prior to going, and I parked underneath the the tree. And my uh, one of my guitarists uh, was into the occult, and he said, why don't we do a ceremony? Let's do a summoning ritual. And I was like, well, I don't believe in any of that stuff. Go so, wrong, sure. Yeah. 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 I was it's like, hey, we're a metal band. Let's do it. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I, I'll spare you the details on the, the ritual, um, but it didn't, it didn't involve any goats, but it did involve White Claw and Stevie Nicks. Wow. Uh, <laughs> 
You could hear the portal opening. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That 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 was actually more terrifying than the experience right there. But uh, so right after the ritual was done, Uh we heard a roar. And the roar was, it started on one end of the cemetery and went the whole way around. And I mean, it was the most terrifying thing outside of Stevie Nicks that I've ever heard. And it was it was a singular roar. It wasn't multiple entities. It was one that just went the whole way around and Did back it. to where it started. And then we kind of lost time. Uh, it was my uh, two guitarists and I uh, just we didn't have the whole band there. And um, we kind of lost time. And the occult practitioner and I kind of came to about 20 minutes later. And we're like, where, where's Zach at? Where is he? And it took us, you know, a little bit of time mm-hmm. to kind of find him. And we decided to go back to my car, which, again, was coincidentally uh, under the um, portal tree. Mm-hmm. And we could see his silhouette in the back seat of my car. I'm like, well, okay. that's kind of creepy. So we right. walk up to it and we open the door and he's we're like, Zach, get out. And he's, he's not responding. He's not responding. You know, Come we on, Zach. kept Come trying on. to coax him out. So right. my friend grabs him and, you know, mm-hmm. we pull him out. And when he looks at us, his uh, pupils are dilated. As if he's, you know, tripping on acid or something. I mean, they're huge. That wouldn't happen. And he would not respond to us. We're like, Zach, Zach. And we're shaking him. And then eventually my friend just comes up and smacks him in the face. And he comes to and he starts screaming. He's like, we need to get the F out of here. We need to get out of here now. And uh, to this day, he won't tell us what he saw, what happened. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's terrifying. He actually gets pretty angry when, uh, when we even bring it up. Yeah, so bizarre. so the the band is in the uh, the cemetery, right? In, yeah, in there, and y'all are doing a search. It did the roar sound like this? What <laughs> 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 did it sound like this? It was more like the Stevie Nicks, uh, maybe uh, in, a, in a cop car, in a cop Batham, car. <laughs> Batham at, in the back of the car. I thought you were going to go to a, a weekend at Bernie's. There, it's like, oh, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, wow, yeah. talk about going dark. Yeah, dark. dark. Dude, man, welcome back. So happy. Welcome back. It was so happy wow. and cheerful. Dude, I didn't know you were bringing me back so soon. You see what I'm trying to do here. I'm sorry, <laughs> Eeyore. Hey, Mike, thanks for sticking with us and being a part of the show in spite. Yeah, Mike, thanks for Gordon. having me. We awesome story. You, Take care. Thanks, yeah, Mike. great story. Appreciate Thank it. you. And he followed the rules. I said the best way to get in touch with yeah. me here is to uh, – uh, email me Dave at paranormal six zero. If you want to be in one of the episodes and I had everybody do the complete opposite. They just kept messaging me on social wow. media. So again, email me is the best way to do this. That way I can send you the, the proper links. All right. Sp- speaking of links, let's get back to it. Uh, is that an outhouse you have behind you? Is yeah, that- man. I'm trying. I told you, you probably back into Greg is hurting oh, out there, great. man. He is a hurt. It's like a unit. Templar cross on that. This is like my seat. third uh, white claw here. I'm on so, my third white. Claw. Like, uh, what's the purpose of the outhouse? You have like half an outhouse. Well, Marty, when a man loves a woman. No, it's uh, a, is you that come what the out here is for? right now. It's very, very cool. Uh, uh-huh. and it's, uh, it's not windy at all. It's almost like a dead calm. Mm. Um, mm. but, uh, you, w- when the wind does come up, it comes off the water like that. And you just, we built a little, um, little shelter on one side, you don't, you know, lean to, we don't have any doors or anything. No so, doors, uh, no holes. Um, uh, you, you, yeah. I was in route until you. Uh, I thought you were going to. How about that walk. structure behind you? You couldn't use that. You couldn't go in there yeah. and go to the bathroom. No, that's there. where. Yeah. I, <laughs> where that's you where live. My, <laughs> that's where my sleeping bag is, man. Oh, 
I got gotcha. you. I got okay. you. Well, let's get to it. Uh, we've got a weird story here. I mean, this is very, very strange story. Um, is it? Let's let's get to it, Greg. I mean, that's what all right. Uh, let's let's talk Not about uh, some stuff back in uh, Texas where I wish I was right now. Um, mm-hmm, Zookeeper mm-hmm. spots bipedal dog-like creature, and nobody knows what it is. This is by Jeff Parsons. Anyone knows the internet loves a good mystery, which is why there's so much excitement over this frightening photo captured this week. Yeah, look at that. That Uh, is weird. Yeah, it's cool, right? Image Mm -hmm. shows. It looks like what I was trying to do like uh, 10 minutes ago, and you brought me on too soon. So, um, Trying to turn into a werewolf and hang out by a zoo? Well, he's kind of squatting a little bit, isn't he? It looks like he's just a dog walking on his back legs. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I can't. It's weird. Anyway, the image shows a strange werewolf like figure hanging around the outside perimeter fence of the Amarillo Zoo in Texas. Uh, It was posted in a private zookeeper's Facebook group. The uploader wrote in the thread in Reddit. Uh, The keeper said that. They caught the image on the trail camera pointed at the perimeter fence and couldn't figure out what it was. He says, I believe it was pointed from inside the zoo at the perimeter fence outside. The user um, uh, responsible for the snap clarified that the zookeepers hadn't seen anything like this before and, and, and caught anything like this on their automated cameras. The original posters, other posts go back to at least a year and are just normal animal keeper type posts. So take a good look at that and tell me what it is. Mm. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. It, it almost looks like somebody wearing a wolf suit. Uh, the legs are awfully I, thin, though, aren't they? Yeah. Well, dog legs are not, you know, thick. I don't know. That still looks pretty big. I wouldn't want to run into that and that it's stalking the outside of the zoo. It's either looking for a place to sleep or looking for food. Something yeah, to eat. That's what I, I was thinking, yeah. I don't yeah, care for thick. I don't care for thick dog legs. <laughs> Neither do I. Not even I agree. Say to that, you yeah. take me back. I gotta. I gotta go. <laughs> what are the down. odds? What are the odds that the camera's pointed in the right direction to capture that? That, my friends, is destiny. Oh wait, no. Yeah. This is destiny. Destiny. Hey, hey, right yes. now to share a story. Hey. Destiny. Welcome. Um, How are you? All right, and you? Good, good. Thanks for being here. Uh, what's your story for us, Destiny? Well, this was probably about 10 years ago. I actually saw an apparition. Okay, where um, were you? I, um, well, I was actually um, in the park. Okay. I was. Um, I used to work for a graveyard shift, like 9.30 at night to 5.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I used to walk home. And I used to cut through the park. Okay. So um, one morning I was walking home, and I was walking through the park, and there is a, a stop sign up at the corner. Mind you, there was no one around. It's like six o'clock in the morning. And out, out from behind the stop sign uh, appears an old woman. And she's only visible from the waist up. From the waist down, uh, there's nothing. And I clear, clearly see her. She's very vivid. Uh, she was an older woman in her 60s, maybe 70s. Had short, whitish gray hair. And she had on a white knit top with large, brightly colored diamonds. And um, she kind of stopped and looked at me, stared right at me, looked me in the eye. And mm-hmm. then at that point, I guess she kind of freaked out and um, she disappeared. But you saw, 
you, you full on view. Sorry, I made a, my computer got unplugged and it's warning me that it's going to boot me offline. You see this uh, free floating apparition, but it's yeah. fully formed, head to waist, no yeah. legs. Is no it, legs. It, when it moves, does it look like it's got a gait, like it's walking, or is it just gliding? It was just gliding, and it was kind of like um, peeked out from behind the stop sign, and mm -hmm. it was kind of like looking at me, like, "What are you doing?" And you know, like, like I said, um, I could see it very clearly. I can still picture it right now. It was an older woman, um, you know, um, short, um, blondish gray hair, and she had on, like I said, a short sleeve, white knit top with brightly colored diamonds. There was six of them, three in the top, three in the bottom. And she kind of looked right at me and looked me in the eyes. And I guess she kind of realized I could see her and didn't think I could see her. And then at that point, she kind of just freaked out and disappeared. And, you know, I was like 50 feet away. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. There's no one around. Right. Yeesh. That is crazy. crazy. Destiny, is. thank you for uh, calling in and being a part of the show tonight. Good show. Good, good, good story. Yeah, that's, that is weird. Thank you, Destiny. Yeah, it, that's creepy. I'm always curious about these free floating half apparitions, right? The ones that, but you know, some say the demonologists say that that means it is a form of the demonic because it, it's not allowed to take full human form. That's one of God's ways of protecting yeah. us that, that that's the, uh, you can tell. So if like one arm is twisted up or half animal, half human looking like that wolf creature that thing is weird whatever it is i know there's a bunch of people saying oh it's been debunked but uh it's i don't know i see wolf people who, who debunked it is what i want to know just yeah, say yeah. it's been debunked you know i could sit here and go, oh that's just fake that ain't you know. true but there's so many dogman sightings so many weird sightings uh of these creatures as a matter of fact i'll use that moment to transition again real quickly because we have got a great show lined up for you on uh monday let me see if i can find the, the, the little banner here to show we're going to be talking american werewolf vampire and the mothman of chicago mike huberty eric mintel jack chavez will be with us and uh they've got some interesting stories to share uh and i don't know if you guys have been following this large bat-like creature that's been seen in the chicagoland area jack has a really unique perspective on this so we're going to talk to him about that um wow the cult. I like that shirt. You're wearing yeah. the right shirt for this kind of environment. I, I just noticed Kathy's critters mentioned great band shirts. I want to show everybody. Yes, indeed. Marty nice. has his on. Greg, I'm sure you've got a band shirt on. Knowing Greg, it's probably a disturbed Under band shirt. Right, Under right. seven layers of jackets right now. Or yeah. Fleetwood Mac. Could be one or the other. Uh-oh. Not, oh, not what? Man. What? Mm. Dude, it always what, is it Lisa Thompson? Is that what her always. name was? We'll talk I'll ever send you an email. Yeah, please yeah put it just in the send chat right to greg at askkiss.com and he'll wow. answer you i promise you all right eric you're up sir where are That's we going great. before we go to a quick break and then we well, go down under down under we're going to talk to mel from australia she's oh. got koalas and kangaroos up on the roof holding the cables to try you to make said going happen. down under i wasn't sure what we were doing oh we're going to talk to wow. some family wow. show family wow. show yeah. all right listen. all right where are we going well, first off, I want to make sure everybody's got their glasses in hand. This has been a really slow show for drinking. Everybody's getting their words right. I am prepared to set us straight. Words is hard. Boy. Are we ready? Boy. I am ready, sir. All right. I'm ready. Here Greg, go. I'm, I'm ready. This is your boy. specialty. Here we this go. This is big boy, big boy drinking. Okay, here we go. 
A drowning death over the holiday weekend has reignited rumors surrounding a lake in Georgia that boasts an eerie reputation for being haunted due to the seemingly inordinate number of tragedies that have occurred at the site. According to a local media report, Jose Camarillo was visiting the state's Lake Lanier on Sunday afternoon when he drowned. This particular incident raised eyebrows in light of the lake's dark history and the spooky tales attached to the location. Created in the 1950s when a torrent of water was purposefully unleashed upon a small community that had been acquired and evacuated by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Yeah. It would be core. Have a drink, everybody. Oh, see, that wasn't even one of the words I was trying to screw up. He couldn't even screw screw up the screw up word. Take a second one while you're there. Yeah. Uh, Lake Lanier has long been rumored to either be cursed or haunted due to its odd origin story and how cemeteries were among the sites flooded during the process decades ago. While the department has tried to downplay the ghostly nature of what lies at the bottom of the lake by insisting, that's underlined in this article, Mm -hmm. that the property was, quote, mostly farmland, many believe that the spirits of those buried in the long-lost town are none too pleased with their graves being submerged. The manifestation of the suspected displeasure is that right? Displeasure? Yeah, very Displeasure. nice. Displeasure. Yes, yeah, very. You're doing pretty impressive. It's yeah. like you're right. He wasn't re- reading drinking before a milita- the show tonight. I'm reading a military citation or something. Yeah, really. It comes in the form of over 200 people who have reportedly perished in the lake either by way of swimming mishaps or boating accidents at the site since 1994. Over time, the staggering death toll gave rise to the fairly widespread theory that the site is haunted by those buried beneath it. And, as is often the case with such urban legends, there's even a specific spirit known as the Lady of the Lake. The Lady of the Lake. Who is said to do boom boom on its shores. What? Rome. 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 Rome, its shores. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm. That was a different podcast. Sorry about that. Yeah. 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 Wow. That no, was a good was one. Was that it? Was that the end? Yeah. That, that was exciting. I think I'm going to end it right there. Cut me off. Yeah. I think I'll just stop to, right uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good place to take a break. Uh, yeah. Why don't we do this? We are going to take a break, folks. We are going to come back. We've got more That'd stories to share, including UFOs. Eeyore in Alaska is going to tell us some more tales. I promise you, he's got more to share with us. But first, <laughs> well, I got to be this. Eeyore. Today's episode is brought to you by. Better help. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. 
Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. All right, we are back. This is exciting time to be alive because had this happened just 20 years ago with dial-up and AOL, our next guest could not have joined us all the way from Down Under. Mel is here. Mel, welcome to the show. What's your story? Thanks, guys. Um, hope internet uh, holds up. Um, well, my story is um, about seven years ago, I was part of a paranormal investigation group that I'm no longer with. Um, and we took a group of about 20 or so members of the public uh, to an overnight investigation to a place in Western Australia, not far from Geraldton. So the place that we went to was a little town site called Greenough, G-R-D-N-O-U-G-H, if you want to look it up. And (laughs) um, so we went overnight. um, It's a very historical town site. Uh, it's the original town site from 1865. Um, there's a, about three churches, a police station, a jail, a courthouse, um, and, and various little um, other buildings. And it's mainly run as a tourist centre these days. Um, so we stayed overnight <laughs> and, you know, broke off into little groups, taking everyone to the various sites to do their investigation and four of us the more experienced of the crew uh went to investigate the courthouse and the jail now this was at night it was uh, june june july august um, which is our kind of term winter in australia and um Dingoes. Um, <laughs> Ignore the messages, um, Mel. Power so, <laughs> I'm trying to focus. Um, it was about, oh, it was nighttime. It was cold for us because we're used to baking in the heat, uh, but it was probably about 13 degrees at night. Um, we were checking out a very cold courthouse, outdoors courthouse, jailhouse, and um, you know, we, we got the usual, you know, K2 hits and some physical kind of sensations were reported. Um, we had okay. a few no- light anomalies um, and there was a one particular moment which still kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies when I think about it and I've done house clearings and all sorts of things. So this was pretty, pretty up there on the heebie-jeebie scale for me. And right. we were huddled together in a, a group of four, you know, holding a digital recorder or, you know, whatever, flashlight, a K2 meter. 
and trying to communicate with whatever was, yeah, whatever spirits were there. Um, we, we did sense something quite dark. Um, it did, you know, some of the prisoners that were holed up there in the past were the nicest of people. So you can imagine what sort of lingered. Um, anyway, so I think I asked for some sort of a, a sign we, because no one else <laughs> wanted to. And I said, oh, you, you know, show us a sign. Touch one as a, one of us if you want to. Um, make it, no, make, us, make yourself known. And uh, within moments, um, between the four of us, I clearly saw a, an arm, like a forearm, shoot out and almost like grabbing towards me. And I freaked out because this forearm seemed really solid, but it wasn't solid. It was sort of translucent. Uh, but Ooh. it looked flesh-like, so it wasn't white or anything like that. It was that quick. Uh, it, it scared the you-know-what out of me, and I I screamed and I uttered something, and we were pretty shaken at that stage because they didn't see what I saw. Right. Um, and so I thought, mm, I know what I saw, not going crazy. Uh they decided to leave the area immediately, go outside, regroup, calm down and just, you know, have a break and then go and join the rest of the, the mob with what they were doing, which was relatively um, tame compared to where we were. So that, that freaked me out. That still does. Yeah. About that one. Was there any sound or any scent or anything else associated with that arm kind of jutting out real quickly? Not that I'm aware of. It, it happened so quickly. Uh, we just, we just, I mean, the, it was cold, but not really free, like in your standards where it's like minus five or anything like that. Uh, but but it was we just felt a sense of real foreboding and dread. We felt it for a while because we were sitting in the cells, trying to commune, you know. And uh, obviously, something thought, "Aha, uh -huh, right, uh, yeah, I'll show you, wow. girls." Mm. <laughs> Not for me. Nope. Yeah. Mm -mm. Very mm -mm. cool. Mel, thank you for uh, staying up late or getting up early or whatever has happened. And thank you for being a part of the show with us. And uh, I hope they eventually get DSL. Saturday. Yay, <laughs> Saturday. Saturday. Welcome to the future. Saturday. Thank you for being here with us. That's awesome. Very cool. I don't uh, understand how that works. but uh, What? Yeah. Why is it that you're out in the middle of the frozen tundra, Greg, and your yeah. connection flawless? Poor Mel's in the this. comfort of her own home. Is that a? You... I was going to ask. Is that a wired mic? Is that back to Texas? Oh yeah, no, that's well, no, it's it's wired. It, I'm yeah. uh, wrote the They're in Alaska. For, He's got a, uh, yeah for yeah. Uh, paranormal sixty technology. Uh, you got You know it. what? You look really cold. Why don't you put the scarf over the top of your head and kind of if you tie it around your head, it'll definitely keep a lot more of the heat in. Better um, yet, why don't you go this, in your this, tent? This white claw is working just fine. Thank you. Thank you for right. your uh, your concern. Thanks. I, I would good. just like to say, Dave, um, it was very difficult at times to uh, 
listen to Mel when I was watching the comments at the same time. <laughs> so please, if you're not commenting, comment. If you are commenting, continue to comment because I uh, like that. They're bringing yeah, a smile to my more. face. Yeah, I like. Yeah, the hey, like we've got a lot. We've got a lot more people here. Yeah, it scared the drop bear out of her. <laughs> uh, she's still in the. I got to kick you out of the back room though, Mel. You're gonna have to watch online because love uh, me some Mel. Thanks, Mel. Else. So thank you, Mel. Thank you, Mel. Oh, Just... I always feel bad kicking guests. We've got uh, uh, quite a few more lined up here. So let's go. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go one more quick guest. All right, and then Marty, we're gonna give you the con. Uh, and we're going to introduce a new segment on the show. All right. Asriana, I think I said that right now. Is that right? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Excellent. Asriana, welcome to the show. And what's your uh, your tale of the supernatural for us? Okay. Well, the one of the haunted houses that I lived in, mm-hmm. we, would, um, we would always hear in the attic, uh, like something dragging every night. And we didn't have anything in the attic. We didn't store anything in the attic. And uh, I always had a creepy feeling. But um, one night, I heard that late at night. And I went up the stairs to the attic. And I saw uh, a person hanging from the rafters. Mm. And he he had just kicked off the chair. So he was hanging there. And, you know, I kind of freaked out, you know. It's terrifying. Yeah, understandably. And, you know, and I went downstairs and, you know, I went downstairs to the, um, to where the bedrooms were. And um, after that, I realized that he had seen me as I had seen him. And he would try to come down the attic stairs into the into where uh the bedrooms were on the second floor Mm-mm. it was really creepy nope yeah i would say mm-hmm. so how did you deal with it um well there was a lot of other things that were going on in the house and um that was that was a creepy one you know i i kind of accepted it and i kind of said look you know we could coexist and just stay up in the attic don't don't bother us you know right that kind of stuff. Very sure. Did it did it settle down for you eventually, or did it? No, still get it got creepy? worse. Oh, it got worse. All right, one more quick one. What was the worst thing that happened during the height of the 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 frightening aspects of this? Um, that I was, I felt like I was in danger, and it could actually harm harm us. Oh, it had really time. stepped up to that physical of a level. Yes. Yikes! How long well, did you stay there didn't... after that? Oh, uh, we were there for about a year and a half. After? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or in total? No, in total, about a year and a half. Okay. How after it you... started feeling really, yeah, after it got really dangerous, how long were you there? Were you out like within six months? No, no. We 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 had, we had to stay. We had a lease. Oh, so. Mm, we had... Good grief. How long that did you live the... there? How long did you live there before you started seeing things? <laughs> um. Well, as soon as we got in, as soon as we moved in there, stuff started happening but in different parts of the house so there was the attic there was the basement there was the (laughs) front room or living room and of course dining room so you dealt with this for about a year and a half then yep Yep. arizona uh did you uh hear of any any (laughs) 
Arizona. 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 Come on now. Um, Azriana. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, Uh Did you have any uh, background information or any history on that house that, that, that may have led to something like that happening before, before you moved there? Yes. After um, we moved there and the stuff started happening, um, I did go to town hall and I did look it up, the history Mm -hmm. of the house. Mm -hmm. And I found out that the house uh, was a, well, we had the, the main house, the bigger, bigger part. And there was a smaller apartment, uh, like a studio type apartment. But I had found out that it was a doctor's office years back when it was first built. And um, so the doctor and his his family lived in this, in the whole house. Mm. And, um, you know, it it was creepy. You know, there was stuff in the walls. There was stuff in the basement. You know, it was. Did you warn the next? Did you warn the next renters? Uh, I couldn't warn. Just say no. 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 Well, that's that's the thing about that is uh, you know that there's disclosure and you they have to disclose if there was a murder happening in the house, but a suicide they don't have to do that. Not every in Texas. I'm sorry, in Texas you have to. Yeah. Yeah. I I lived in 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 an apartment that there was a murder. Yeah. Mm. Well, Azriana, wow. you've no got good. some bad luck with places to live. I'd go on <laughs> diedinhouse.com. It is a real site and punch in the place you're going to think about moving into before you go. Yes, Thank sir. you, Azriana, for being a part of the show with us. Good uh, story. That's, good that's story. crazy. crazy. Yeah. All right, Marty. Yes, sir. Some, some go. Get ready to drink. News. Oh, Get ready come to on. drink oh, Favorite part of the show. On. Here we go. Yeah. Come on go. now. Come on. All so right, let's see what you got. Listen here, uh, Massachusetts Senate. Here, I can't believe we got that Uh one. Yeah, Yeah. Senate pardons witch convicted in 1693. Talk about uh, a backlog in pardons in that state, huh? (laughs) Elizabeth Johnson Jr. was only 22 years old when she was convicted of practicing witchcraft when the Salem witch trials were all at the rage here in Progressive Massachusetts. 329 years ago, Johnson was lucky as many who were found guilty of practicing witchcraft in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. Third time is not a charm. Oh, I love this. It. In All right, I'm out of scotch now. Scotch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Let Marty. Uh, sorry. Sorry about that. Many of the witches back then were put to death, let's just say. According mm-hmm. to the website, Witches of Massachusetts. Bay, 20 people were killed for being witches in 1692 in Essex County. Only one was from Salem. Historian Sidney Purley told the AP 19 were hanged and one man was crushed to death by rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Last Thursday, yeah. Last Thursday, the Massachusetts Senate approved an amendment pardoning Johnson. She was the last of those falsely accused being witches. Uh, to be found innocent. Though Johnson was sentenced to hang upon being convicted of practicing witchcraft, the AP reported then-Governor William Phipps threw out her punishment as the magnitude of the gross miscarriages of justice in Salem sank in. Dozens of others were accused of practicing witchcraft in Massachusetts. 
during the 17th century, including Johnson's mother, who was eventually cleared. The Associated Press reported an eighth grade class in Andover Middle School took up Johnson's case and researched the steps required to have her pardoned. Nicely done, eighth grade. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's great. pretty cool, huh? That's you said good. Johnson like three times in that story. Yeah. I said Massachusetts like 72 times, but uh, yeah. well, I got it my, wrong feet, once. my feet are All right, frozen. folks, we have a brand new segment that we're introducing on tonight's program, wow. and I am super psyched about this. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for Paratunes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Paratunes? What is Paratunes? Wow. What? Scully I assume it's a competitor it. to iTunes. Yeah. Right. No, Scully uh, is has dug through the interwebs and has found some, if you are a band or you know somebody in a band that's independent that has paranormal themed songs and they would like one featured on the program, all they have to do is send me the link to the song at davidparanormal60.com. We have to be able to play it on the show and not get shut down for, for, um, copyright infringement or anything yeah. but uh our first song since we just came off of the witch story this is from sunspot sunspot this is witch finder general
How awesome is that sunspot? Mike Huberty, who will be our guest on Monday, is the lead singer, uh, one of the two lead singers from Sunspot. So make sure you tune in on Monday as we talk about American Werewolf, Vampire, and Mothman of Chicago. What do you guys think of the new segment? I love that. Great, man. I, I love that song. That was really good. They did that during COVID. They they filmed the video, so I love that they you know kind of a th- it had that eighties throwback retro feel to it. So great song yeah. too. I really enjoyed it. I think Kingdom of Bart had it right. The uh, the the bassist uh, actually mixed that song and sang it. Yeah. Yeah, he was just funnier when he said it, though. Uh, let's get to our next, <laughs> Ooh, ow. next guest. Ow. Melissa, welcome ow. to the show. Thank you for hanging in with us. Melissa J. Daniels, what is your supernatural story? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, Certainly. My, my story comes from a time a couple of years ago when I was working at a, a place called Penhurst State School and Hospital in Pennsylvania. I originally started working there as an actor and then became kind of their photographer and ran some of their paranormal tours was there one day with a really small group of women um, doing a photography tour in one of the buildings there. Uh, it's a campus of several buildings, which have since been demolished, sadly. Yeah. But um, so anyway, I'm in this big building. It's called the Devon building. It's, it's kind of shaped like an H and the women that were with me were down on the lower floor doing their photography. So I went upstairs to the furthest part of the H and I was doing a, an audio, you know, recording session up there with my multi-directional recorder. And I just kind of introduced myself, you know, Hey guys, it's Melissa. You've seen me around here for a really long time. Just wanted to say hi. If, if there's anyone here who wants to say hi and I'm waiting a little while. And then I started to hear like the sound of, paint chips crinkling under footsteps so it was just so clear that i i thought it was one of the women that had came up up the stairs so i went outside to the corridor and i looked down and i'm like hello hello nobody's there so i'm like okay went back to the spot and i was just like hey i started my recorder again i was like hey guys sorry i i left like that i just wanted to you know make sure that that's you i'm talking to and I waited a little while longer, a couple more minutes, and I started to hear those paint chips crinkling again. And I'm looking straight forward. Like I said, this is during the daytime. So there was a beam of light that was shining straight ahead of me onto a wall. To the right side was a partition. So into the beam of light from the partition, what I saw was this black shadow that just kind of peeked out and looked at me for a couple of seconds and then backed out and it was so black it it blocked out the sunlight on the wall so i was startled by this i i knew that there was no logical explanation for that i kind of (laughs) ran down the hallway (laughs) and got the ladies that were downstairs out i was like you know hey let's go to mayflower (laughs) And they were more than happy to do that. But as we were making our way out, the ladies left and I was the last one to get out. And I felt like a, a shove forward. And I, nice. I hit this stack of disgusting mats that was there, which thankfully I hit that and not the concrete. But something did not want me there. 
Um, I've never experienced seeing a shadow like that before. Hopefully never will again. And I won't make this much longer because I know that we're on a time frame here, but no worries. <laughs> um, so I stopped working there. I never went back. Um, I was tormented for several years with really, really bad nightmares. Um, ones that terrified me to the point where I really delved very deep into the rabbit hole of alcoholism wow, and sorry. found, well, it's okay. I'm better now. I'm two and a half years sober. So Excellent. Congratulations. it all worked out. You're in the, you're nightmare. in the right show. Thank you. Not at all. <laughs> so, well, you know, Hey, to each their own, right? I don't know. Right. Um, Thank you. But uh, so anyway, I dealt with a really long time of um, trying to escape these nightmares by drinking because that was stopping the REM cycle of dreaming. So I felt like this thing couldn't come at me that way. And the last time that it did, it brought like these two dogs in with it into my house, but this was in my dreams. So I kind of took myself out of the situation, took myself to rehab, got better. And by the time I came back, I have never had any visions. I haven't seen this thing. I haven't um, haven't talked about it much because I'm kind of afraid if I do, it might come back. Um, but to this date, I haven't had any problems, thankfully. Awesome. So well, I'm awesome. glad to hear that. Congrats. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, Thank you for, great. uh, for jumping in with us and sharing your stories. You're getting thank a lot you. of congratulations from the uh, audience being supportive of your journey. So thank you thank for you uh, being here. Thanks for listening, Melissa. And thanks for being a part thanks. of our world. Thank you. Very cool. All right, Greg, uh, before we go to our next uh, guest, why don't you go ahead and uh, read us your next story? Hold on just a second. Yeah. Oh, no. Nice. Uh, it's a tall Mel just, you. Mel just opens up to you, and then you take and a you swig of slam your claws. It's white claw. It's like, yeah. I don't know, I got like two grams of carbs or something in this thing. Right, but I hear it could be one of the deadliest drinks on the planet Earth. Well, you know, a woman drank... Uh, dr- <laughs> it's cold out here man what where am i it's cold out here look at this white claw Mm. it's right there right there a woman drunk on white claw and vodka bites sister's eye off oh my god yeah wouldn't it be bite sister's eye out how do you bite somebody's eye off? I don't know. You know but anyway, leave the journalism the, to the journalist. This, yeah, this article is by John Lynch, Salt Lake City, Utah, WTRF. A woman who was reportedly drunk on White Claw and vodka bit her sister's eye out over oh the weekend. God. I know. I, you, you know, KSLA TV reports that 26-year-old Ashley Mad- Mason not Ashley Madison for those mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> Ashley Mason. What's your username? Yeah. Got never mind. Got into a fight with her sister in the car in Salt Lake City. Mason allegedly grabbed her sister by the hair, pulled her close, and bit her eye off. Oh. The, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, mm. The news outlet reports that Mason ran from the scene, but being so drunk, she was screaming so loud enough for police to eventually find her and locate her and get her in jail. Uh, Mason was arrested and her sister will need plastic surgery work on her eye. Police told KSLA TV 
that the sister's tear duct was actually ripped out. Yeah. Mm. Oh, God. So uh, this is the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. They right? uh, have heard about fentanyl drugging it being sifted into all these drugs. White, White Claw, Claw is White going Claw. to be what brings the, the zombie apocalypse. Greg, this is good reporting. Yeah. Finally, it is. you've yes, stepped you. up and given us a story that exactly. makes us all I appreciate it. And I, and once again, I want to thank everybody for sending in their uh, emails and everything about my um, my banishment from the, the, the show last week. Hey, you're speaking of your banishment, let's welcome Matthew. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with us. What's your paranormal story? Good evening, fellas. So unfortunately, this doesn't have to do with zombies, but it is kind of something walking aimlessly through the woods. It happened just basically, you know, Going about my regular routine uh, back in okay. uh, late summer 2008, uh, just taking my dog out uh, about a little after 3 a.m., just like I did every night before going to bed, before work in the, in the afternoon the next day, and you know, let her out. And, and as soon as I open the door, get out on the deck, um, I hear something walking through uh, the woods, uh, but like it's stepping on leaves, you know. And I didn't think much of it at first. I just thought, you know, it's probably a, a deer or fox or something but i was concerned immediately because i had my dog with me and i'm like oh man my dog is gonna run after this thing i'm gonna have to break up a fight and so you know i i look at her and she's paying attention but she doesn't seem very interested in taking off right away so i look back up and after a few footsteps it stops goes quiet and right after it goes quiet this little tiny white light about or just outside my fence line it's one of these fences that you can see through it just has about three posts across uh mm -hmm. so you can see through it and um just outside the fence about three feet off the ground maybe about um you know 20 yards from me this light appears and it just grows bigger and bigger and bigger until it's about the size of a basketball huge and uh it's glowing white with like a blue hue to it and um as soon as that happens, my dog makes a beeline for the stairs to take off towards it. And, and it's still at this point, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, it's it's a person with a LED flashlight breaking into sheds or something. You know, I'm still paranormal's last thing on my mind. I, at this point in my life, I didn't even really fully believe in the paranormal. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she she makes a beeline running towards it. And I look over at the light to see what it's going to do. You know, I'm, I'm like, oh, man, I hope this person doesn't have a weapon, you know. Right. So she's pretty territorial. I figured she would either scare him off if he didn't have a gun or we would be in big trouble. So she makes a beeline sprinting straight towards it. And as soon as she does that and she jumps off the deck, I look over at this light and it kind of like flickers or sparkles or makes a weird kind of flash. And then it just rapidly deteriorates, just sh shrinks down into nothing. Flickers and, and sparkles she, happen to be the name of the of Greg's favorite strippers, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and sparkles. she gets she gets to that fence line. By the time she gets to that fence line, that thing is gone. The light is gone. So I figured it was somebody, you know, probably, you know, hiding. Uh, and so I went yeah. over to this motion detector floodlights that we have, waved my hand in front of it. It shines that area. There is nothing there. And if something would have ran away, I would have heard it because it was it was in the leaves. You know, it was in the woods. And I literally stood there in shock for minutes and she's up on her hind legs, like on the fence, like looking around, like she's just as confused as I am. And, and right. I'm totally dumbfounded. Like, you know, if I couldn't see it and, and she couldn't see it, then what was it? You know, the dogs can see in the dark a little better than us. So, right. you know, that totally blew my mind. It 
changed my life, you know, and how I view life. And, and the crazy thing is, is less than a year after that, next spring, about a half year later, I see this article in the County Times newspaper. They found a buried Lieutenant Colonel Civil War uh, soldier literally less than 100 yards from my house in those same woods that had no way time yeah his name was lieutenant colonel ephraim anderson anybody can look him up i don't live in that neighborhood anymore so i don't mind uh giving that out and and his they have a gravestone there now for him they left him there his family had actually been looking for him for a couple years before they finally found Mm -hmm. him um and he survived the civil war he got wounded captured um, and he actually got wounded, uh, from what I read for refresh my memory for the show, he's trying to save, uh, the Colonel or the general who actually reprimanded him not long before who got, got his horse shot out from under him. He's trying to rescue him, got captured and he survived the civil war. And then supposedly tuberculosis, tuberculosis took him out a few years later. Oh, yeah. it's time for a drink. This one. Tuberculosis. Oh, wow. Thanks so much. Matthew, Matthew. Thank you. Got gotcha, you, awesome. Matthew. I'll make sure you guys are drunk before the end of the night. Good old tuberculosis. Right. Tuberculosis. Come on now. But he had a church built back there that was, and he was buried under his church steps. And that church foundation is still there today. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. I love the historical aspect of the story. I love yes, sir. that uh, that it was something that changed your life and you felt comfortable enough to share yeah. with us. Thank yeah. you, Matthew. We appreciate you Thank being you, here. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Great. All right. Very cool. Uh, we're going to go. We've got one more guest one that we're going to bring on here. And then we're going to go to uh, Eric with our final story of the night. And this is stormy. And it looks like a dark and stormy night. Stormy, stormy you're very night. dark set back in the in there. I like this. This is kind of, you've got the ambiance. All right. You've got our attention. This is my little cubby on? hole. I like good. it. I like it. A- anyway, um, I lived in Minnesota for almost 25 years, and during that time, I had a friend who lived on Jefferson Street, uh, not very mm-hmm. far from McAllister College, and sure. her gra- her grandmother would visit. Her grandmother had passed away several years before. Oh. I found this out by the time that I was visiting. I spent the night at my friend's place with her and her boyfriend and mom and stuff, and in very big house, very nice house. And uh, I felt this, felt somebody watching me, staring at me. And I'd wake up and I'd look around and nobody there. And I'd go back to sleep and she'd start staring at me again. The next morning I told my friend about it and she says, oh, that's just Granny Annie, which was her grandmother who'd passed away. And uh, she warned me about Granny being a klepto, and she would steal (laughs) stuff from you. And you'd have to holler at her to get your stuff back. Uh, At that point in time, I was also married to an idiot, and she stole the wallet and never gave it back. (laughs) Or is that the story you're sticking to, Stormy? Well, no, that's the way it happened. Uh I wouldn't mess with his wallet. You're yeah. safe with us, Stormy. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. I was married to an idiot who happened to get their wallet stolen. And, you know, he wasn't a good guy. He wasn't a bad uh-huh. guy. He was just an idiot. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, we know we've we got one of those on our, our team. Show. 
I'm pretty so sure. Uh, Granny, yeah. Granny still visits every once in a while when something comes up missing, I'll holler for her. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us. Uh, and for great. Staying up late, Stormy. We had a couple other people who dropped off because they couldn't hang. They so thank hang. you for wow. hanging in and being a part we're, of this. We're 10 Thanks, 19. Stormy. Yeah, yeah you're awesome. welcome. This was fun. Have thank a good you. one, Stormy. Thank you. And folks, I'm sorry if we didn't get to your story tonight um, and you dropped off. We will just email me and the next time we do this, we'll make sure that we get you on. We're trying to accommodate all of the great callers. The Paranormal 60 is now at the Paranormal Hour and 20. We've got our final news story. Eric, it's all up to you. Take us out, sir. Here we go, Eric. Excellent. Yeah, no. Don't mess up, Eric. Maybe next, next week, if we just want to cut one of Greg's stories, we can have probably some more folks on instead. Something Ow. to think about. Ow. All right, Dave. Are we gonna to go, the, uh, Dave? We going to the uh, the We're video gonna... of the baby playing with their uh, deceased husband? No, no, you, you know, no. Uh, a baby had a deceased wow. husband. No, what we're going to do is we're going to go uh, since we're, we're advertising it. Uh, we're going to talk about the the Roswell story. That's great, Greg. You're going to listen up. I'm going to teach you something about Roswell real fast. A little bit here, yeah. Army officers. Was that all one word you just said? It's all one At word. At this point in the show, it usually is. Yo. Usually is. Wow. <laughs> usually. Anybody yeah. that knows what's about to happen now. Wow. <laughs> Here we go, folks. This is the longest story of the night. At this right. point, at this point, just keep the glass to your lips. Yes. Right. And and gentlemen, Eric, the floor is yours. I appreciate it, Mr. Schrader. Army officer's secret diary could hold the key to the what? Damn it. Roswell. <laughs> UFO mystery. Hang in there, folks. I promise we'll get through very, this. Very, very quiet. I'm hunting <laughs> a Roswell UFO. <laughs> That's going to be tough. Oh. Yeah. All right. When stream. Oh. Wow. Hey, Eric, can I grab another drink before you? <laughs> yeah, you probably on? have time, actually, Marty. Go ahead and grab one. Okay. Hold on just a second. I'm going to do right, my Marty. best here. Yeah. When strange debris was found after a crash in Roswell, New Mexico in July of 1947, Major Jesse Marcel Marceau was the chief counterintelligence. <laughs> that is not correct. Wait, wait, wait. The word is counter. <laughs> counterintelligence. What did I say? It's a family. Yeah. 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 Not exactly. I, but let's what go did I that. say? No, this, we're not talking about it on the show. Just keep moving was in charge of security at the Roswell Army Air Force Base at the time, having been one of the first to attend the crash site. Reports of an alien UFO sighting spread around the world, and hysteria increased as theories that aliens had visited Earth sprung up everywhere. (laughs) Visited is a hard word. Sprung up everywhere. (laughs) Sprung up everywhere. (laughs) What? What? Major Marcel Marceau found at the site was initially described by a U.S. military press release on January 8th as the crash and recovery of a flying disc. Marcel Marceau himself is said to have publicly described the wreckage as not being of this earth. However, the U.S. government changed the story the following day and claimed it was part of a military project which had crashed at the site. Now, it is thought that Major Marceau's diary Mm -hmm. could hold the key to whether aliens really did visit Earth and crash in Roswell. The Major's family believe he was pressured by the U.S. government to retract his original statement of what he discovered. The family has possession of his diary 
and have agreed for a large sum of money for it to be investigated to try to find clues as to what happened on that fateful day in August. I added that part about the money, everybody. They're not we asking picked for up money. on that, yeah. Okay, yeah. Just, just telling you. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I forgot where I was. Ben Smith, mm-hmm. a former CIA, CIA, CIA agent. CIA yeah. operative is leading former the investigation. CIA. CIA. This is your brain. This is your brain on Glenlivet. Just Where so is it. Melissa? <laughs> I'm going to work on my 24-hour coin as soon as this show is over, I assure you. <laughs> Speaking to Sky History, Smith described finding strange signs in Major Marcel's diary, which could be hidden messages the intelligent officer was trying to reveal. Intelligence. Officer. Jesus. That's yeah. a left hook and a right uppercut. Uh, <laughs> Dave, up going yes. forward, I would like to do all three of my stories right up front. I'm just going to walk off. <laughs> I think we'd all like that. Yeah. Oh, my God. The intelligence officer. There's only yeah. 37 more pages. Hold on here, everybody. You should do the rest of this as Marcel Marcel. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, okay. It has some pretty strange characteristics, the family has said about his diary. Strangest of all is right at the period of Roswell, obviously August of 47, you see a marked shift in handwriting style, which can indicate a lot of things from duress to mental stability. i got to be honest, I was worried you were going to screw that word up. What? Which Uh, word? You you did good. Shift. You did well. Shift? Keep moving. Yeah. Yeah, you did good. You did did good. I would bring that word up again. Just push through. Nope. Push through. Go on. Eric. As an intelligence officer, he would have been trained in information security and some of what may have. Hey, we're going to get through this this news story. (laughs) As an intelligence officer, he would have been Mm -hmm. trained in information security, and some of that may have involved encryption. He was probably versed enough that if he had information to hide, this is how he would do it. We this took the is journal. How we do it. We took this journal to a code breaker, code and breaker. he attested to the fact that he sees clear signs of code. Now I'm going to go ahead and install some of my own thoughts here, if you don't mind for a minute. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> no. Wow! Going. No, that's I not. Wanna, like, that's not really how this show works. We read, <laughs> we read the news. And we my own thoughts. I think I have tuberculosis. Um, oh, here we go. No, but they said he changed his writing style. It couldn't be that someone else was writing in the journal. Is it? be. Okay, thank you. Let's go. Let's keep going. Smith added that he is not convinced that the debris found was part of a military project as the government had claimed. It was stated that the crash site contained the wreckage, not of a UFO, but of a big balloon used to detect sound waves by the Soviet atomic bomb tests. Whatever. I've heard that one before. Yeah. It is now believed swamp gas that a swamp thorough gas. investigation into Marcel Marceau's diary may offer more clues as to what the officer was trying to share with the world. Which is good news since many around the world still maintain that the Roswell incident is the closest the public has come to finding evidence of aliens visiting Earth. Now, That's for true. those of you that, that aren't aware, Greg and I wrote a book about Roswell. That's um, right. <laughs> Greg, what's the name of the book we wrote? 
Yeah, it's it's Roswell, the after action report. I'm cold, man. You said this was a paranormal sixty. We're like at the paranormal ninety at this point. Oh wow, oh, my God! Wait, what? Oh, what? Oh boy, that Alaskan connection. I think the sunspots. Oh up. yeah. Ooh. Oh, great. Aurora oh, no. borealis. Got How him. How does that happen? Oh, oh it's poor all Greg. that negative polarity out there. Uh-huh. So shut up and deliver the news. Oh, yeah. Lisa Thompson's right. coming after you, pal. Let's look, see. I just I just got this Son on of Am- a gun. That's Amazon. That's our Am- book. Uh, Amazon. Did they book. deliver that? Yeah, they just uh they just pulled up. That is a hell of a book. <laughs> so, Roswell. Roswell, the after action report. Uh, okay. So good. Um, or you his can wife get couples in with and... the no action report. <laughs> it is so, so bad. All right, folks, make sure you tune in Monday when we look at an American werewolf vampire and the Mothman of Chicago, Mike Huberty, Jack Chavez, and Eric Mintel. My guests, Eric, shows some interesting video and audio. During that, Mike Huberty brings us the stories, and Jack Chavez has an interesting and unique perspective on the Mothman large bat-like sightings that are taking place all around Chicago. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you all that joined us tonight and told your stories. We appreciate it. Quick round of applause for all of them. Great stories. There you go. Uh, So thank you for tuning in. Yeah, special thanks to Greg from phoning it in all the way from... What? Oh, in Alaska. What? what it's, I'm mean? thanking him for being a part of it. Thank you, Dave. You're welcome, I appreciate sir. you bringing me back on the on the show and uh, and giving me a little bit of uh, confidence. Greg, we'll see you in September. Yeah. <laughs> see you in September. God. All right, well, folks. We'll be back can... again with you next week. We've got more of the Paranormal 60 and more of the Paranormal 60 news, whether you want it or not. <laughs>